The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Peace Kingdom to the new Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. I am Matt Stagner, a longtime Arrowhead Pride commenter and contributor. I've been around since 2009, so I've seen a lot of the coming and going uh, when it comes to Arrowhead Pride. Today's going to be a mailbag edition with my good friend, Ron Cobb Jr. Ron, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Ron. You've seen me on the site for the past couple seasons. I've been a staff writer, fitting in where I can the last couple years. But I've also been in the comments and, and on the Twitter sphere for sure uh, before that, uh, interacting with probably a lot of you guys. But yeah, I'm excited for this this new step in Air, at Airhead Pride. I'm excited for all these mailbag questions. So let's just get right into it. I'll start off with the first question for us from Steve Gray on Twitter. And he asked, what is the biggest free agency priority right now after the draft? He gave us three positions, defensive end, cornerback, or wide receiver. Matt, I'll let you take it. Right. I would start off with the cornerback position. I think they're pretty thin at that spot. They have a lot of youth. I think the oldest player on the roster right now at cornerback is something like 25 years old. But there's not a lot of depth. And there's some question marks when it comes to guys like Bo Pete Keys, DeAndre Baker. Are those guys going to be healthy and ready to contribute? We're not sure. I think I think there certainly have been looking for a corner in free agency. They certainly didn't add one in, in the draft. So it's extremely logical that they would add back a guy like Rashad Breland at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Breland's an obvious, you know, target right now. But another obvious target uh, at another position, I'd say, uh, well, I'll start out with the position, is defensive end. I think I think defensive end's the biggest priority right now because still, and I've talked about it before, they only have one three-down guy in Frank Clark. That is the only three-down defensive end on this team. Dane is a, uh, an early down player, you know, a run defender, not much of a pass rusher. Charlton's a situational pass rusher. We don't know what we have in Tim Ward yet. And now Kando, the latest draft pick, he may not even see the field in his first year. We'll talk about that maybe a little later. So I think defensive end needs to be addressed with a guy like Melvin Ingram. They brought him in for a visit earlier this offseason. Nothing got done then, but I, I could definitely see them uh, making a call now that the draft's over. And I could definitely see him in Kansas City. I think it'd be smart. Yeah, they had two free agent departures at that position in Alex Okafor and Tano Passigno. So there's really a couple of spots potentially open there. Again, Kendo is a long-term project, but I, I could see why you might want to add someone shorter term. And, and again, with the obvious fact that Melvin Ingram was in town recently, hopefully something gets done there. Second question from the artist, FKA KXPX. I'm not sure if, there's, if that's code for something. 
or not, but thank you for the question. Do you see someone like Brian Poole fitting in Spags defense in the slot or maybe Olivier Vernon at the defensive end position, Ron? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go on Poole because it actually does make a little sense to, to look at a guy like Poole. He's a primary slot defender in the NFL. He always has been. He's only 28 years old. He's only been in the league since 2016. He's a little shorter, you know, he's, he's kind of in that Tyron Matthew mold where he's a smaller defender, but that's what you get from your slot defender. So I think he would fit in the defense and you can tell that they're looking for a guy, you know, earlier this offseason, the Chiefs went after Kawan Williams publicly, didn't get him, but he's, he's a primary slot defender as well. So I think if that happens, I think you see Snead move to the outside and then Thornhill and Matthew can just be the safeties, but if not, it, I, I think I'd rather still have Breland back to ha- be that outside corner and let Snead play more in the slot. So I wouldn't, I don't think Poole, in my opinion, would, would make, make too much sense for this team. Um, but I could definitely see how he would fit in and why you'd ask that question. So, yeah, you could, they could easily add either outside or inside cornerback, and, and they've got the pieces to shuffle around with whoever's available. So, um, either way, they need to add a corner, as we just talked about. I feel like we're flip-flopping here a little bit, Ron, with you talking about corners. I'll go with Olivier Vernon in the in free agency at defensive end. I think the guy's got the Spagnolo body type. He's obviously got the history from the New York Giants. He's certainly a guy that would fit into this defense pretty well. Health is the real issue with him, so I don't know if he's healthy, if he's ready to play, if he can stay on the field, and, and how much they would pay for his services based on that, uh, that profile. Yeah, and, and that's a good call on Vernon. I honestly keep forgetting, but, you know, like you just mentioned with New York, I mean, he's been coached by Spags before. So, I mean, that actually is a natural fit. But he did get hurt late in the season last year. So that is a, a big question mark for him to kind of keep out. I think it was week 17, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, was it in the playoffs? I, I think it might have been the playoffs. So, yeah, that's that's something to look out for. Um, but we'll move on to our next question from SoCal1186. Shout out him. I know he follows me. I follow him back. What will the Chiefs do with the plethora of offensive line bodies? Are there trades coming? Are there cuts? Keep more than usual on the roster? I think it's a really interesting question with how deep this line is all of a sudden. Matt, what are you thinking? And, and there's also a follow-up question from Dan on Twitter about Andy's loyalty to LDT. So it, it's interesting. I mean, you look at this rebuild of the offensive line, and it's unprecedented. I mean, the way that they've turned this position over – to have top-line starters and depth like they've really never had before in the Andy Reid era, at least in Kansas City. Uh, I think we're all excited about the, the direction the offensive line is going. Maybe the, the people who may not be as excited are some of those guys who were big contributors last year that may be looking for jobs this offseason. I think maybe they keep an extra guy. Maybe it's 10 offensive linemen this year instead of nine like they do in a lot of years. But even with 10, You've got four or five, six guys fighting for the last, you know, two jobs probably uh, with the eight additions that they made this offseason. It's going to be a real challenge for any of those guys to make the roster. You're going to be looking for real versatility out of your backups. Yeah. I'm not sure who the last of that group are going to be, but I, I think there's going to be several cuts. If we're lucky at trade, these are guys that may or may not be tradable, but I think there's going to be several guys uh, on the outside looking in that were big parts of the offensive line last year. Yeah, I agree because I, I have them keeping 10 too. And then, but I, I think a guy like Allegretti or Andrew Wiley, I mean, they might not even fit into this team anymore. They're, they're going to be fighting for that 10th spot, like you said. But when I project it out, I do think one of them will make the team. 
I would say Wiley would make it over Allegretti just because Wiley has that tackle versatility. You know, uh, we haven't seen Allegretti do that yet. So that's kind of where I would sit there. I think Wiley does survive, but I could also see them going the other way or maybe even keeping a guy like Durant or Prince Tega will no go as a development guy with all this depth they have at garden and it's your offensive line. Maybe they don't even need Wiley's guard ability. Yeah, um, so yeah I, I think that's, that's right. The, the depth is really at guard and, and now with Humphrey on board, you know, at center as well. So you can see Austin Blythe, the guy they just brought in to be what we all presume to be the starting center. He might now be your your first man off the bench at all three interior mm-hmm. offensive line positions. That's a role that that Allegretti, in theory, would have been fighting for as well. So I, I think I think Allegretti is maybe hurt the most by the draft specifically because you know you've got Trey Smith as well, who and I think we'll talk about him here in a minute, but he may be a factor in the depth chart at some point, then all of a sudden you've got Kyle Long and LDT fighting for the same right guard position. And then again, a bunch of guys who, who might end up being on the street. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. I've got the starting lineup, or at least my projection, you know, is obviously Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, hopefully Long, if healthy, and then Yang at right. And so then you've got Remmers as your, as your first swing tackle and Blythe as your first interior guy off the bench. So again, Wiley, LDT, Allegretti, Durant, Winoga, Williams, those guys are all fighting for the last couple of roster spots. I don't know if you see it the same way, Ron. I do. I do. I, I think Remmers could flip with Niang. Uh, you know, I think they might value that veteran experience right off the bat. You know, maybe Niang works his way up to the starting. We'll see. One guy that I kind of penciled in as a, a guy that'll make it, but, you know, he may not. Martinez Rankin, if he's that fourth tackle, and there's all this guard depth where, you know, that was kind of his value before is he could play tackle or guard. But now if he's that fourth tackle and, and they do have guys like uh, Niang and Remmers who, you know, can play both guard too, kind of like Rankin in that same vein. You know, maybe Rankin's a guy with only a year left on his contract. They think about just getting rid of kind of cutting him off the, the books. But at the same time, since there's only a year left on his contract, they traded an asset for him. I think it'd be smart to keep him around. But that's the thing. This offensive line so deep. There's going to be a lot of different moving pieces in training camp. So it'll be really fun to watch. But I'll go ahead and move on to the next question. Um, this will be a fun question for you, Stags. Any chance the Chiefs bring Justin Houston back? I, you know, uh, he, he left after 2018. He's been with the Colts the past couple of years. He's still a free agent this year. What do you think about the possibility of Justin Houston being back in Kansas City? You know, no disrespect to uh, Robert Hill or B. Robert Hill, uh, whoever, however you pronounce your Twitter name. I appreciate the question, and it's not a bad question, but this is a topic that's really been sort of frustrating for me on Twitter. I don't think there's any chance Houston comes back. I don't think there's any interest on the Chiefs side. I'm not sure there'd be any interest on the Justin Houston side. They got rid of him for a reason. It wasn't just money. It was about rebuilding this defense in a different vision, in a different style. They've got leadership in in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew that is there for a reason. I'm just not sure how Houston fits in. As poetic as it might sound, I think the answer is is not just no, but 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 hell no. <laughs> yes, no, thank you, Stags. I appreciated that because I, I totally agree. I, I, I can't believe we still see these questions, honestly. I know and I and like I said, I appreciate the question from Robert Hill, but I just I, I think we gotta understand that Frank Clark was almost that direct culture replacement, that leader replacement in Justin Houston. And just bringing them back and being on the same team together would just be, 
I don't know. I just don't think that would work. It wouldn't jive well. Um, it'd almost be like splitting the locker room back up. It's, um, it's a strange fit, and and Houston also always had a durability problem. And I think this team is is yeah. certainly biased towards durability and availability with their moves that they're making this off season, even if it's, it wasn't always the case. So. I think we can put that one to rest. Yeah, I agree. We can move on to another Robert Hill question, it looks like. He asked us, do we think Trey Smith starts at right guard this year? Which I think is a very interesting question, considering like we've been like we've been talking about, everyone's been talking about, he could have been a second-round pick and no one bats an eye. So when you think about it like that, a second-round, you know, we're expecting Creed Humphrey to come start right away. Do we think Trey Smith could start at right guard right away? You know, he has the talent to do so. I, I was a little bit surprised by the pick, obviously surprising to see him there that late, but also surprised to see the Chiefs add another interior offensive lineman after the offseason they just had. They've right. got a great competition already between Kyle Long and LDT in theory at right, at right guard. I'm not sure that adding a third to that competition was even necessary in the first place, but as a long-term play, I see the value in Trey Smith. I think the guy is, again, really, really talented from a physical standpoint and seems to have the right, the right character that you want in your locker room. So it may not be this year, uh, or at least it may not be at the beginning of this year. Let's throw out a scenario here where LDT gets released or, or theoretically traded. If your starter is Kyle Long, Kyle Long's got a long history, pun intended, long history of injuries. When, when Kyle Long gets hurt, I could certainly see a guy like Trey Smith stepping in unexpectedly, yeah. and maybe he keeps the job at that point. Maybe he wins the job and never look, never gives it back. But I can't imagine, as long as both of those other two guys are on the roster, I can't imagine he would be the first guy uh, to win that competition uh, coming out of camp. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Kyle Long. I think we're. I think Kyle Long is really going to be a, a good player. I, I think uh, at least right away. You know, in, uh, injuries aside, I think Kyle Long is going to come in and prove that he's one of the five best linemen on the team, and and start. I I, I think that's going to happen. But I will just throw this out before we move on. I did see the athletics. Uh, you know, they have an offensive line expert in Brandon Thorne, and he actually tweeted Sunday morning that he wouldn't rule out Trey Smith being a right tackle option. So I, I, and he, you know, he's the expert. He's watched all these guys all year on, you know, all draft season. So wow. I'm going to trust his opinion that maybe, you know, maybe Trey Smith could be a guy, you know, obviously that's a little bit more of a stretch either, even than right guard. Cause he had, he wasn't playing right tackle in college, but man, yeah, you know, he's got the size. I, it, well, I could see it happening. That's interesting. And, and, you know, Lucas Niang could certainly project at guard as well. So, you know, you can imagine yeah. a lot of shuffling there on that right side. At least we know, Who's on the left side? And there's no no discussion about competition or anything right. else. The left side of the offensive line is locked down with Pro Bowl caliber players. The right side is all competition, and and we'll let it shake out in camp. You know, there's a bunch yeah. more trade ideas here in the Twitter questions. I'll throw this one your way, uh, Ron, from Philip Magruder, Philip V. Magruder, a good friend of ours on Twitter. Phillips asked, "Would we trade a first round pick in 2022, a third round pick in 2022?" and a third-round pick in 2023 for Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons and a 2022 six-round pick. So a lot of picks flying around there, but would you make a trade for Julio Jones with multiple draft picks at this point in his career? I just – it's hard to see a, a good reasoning to get rid of that much draft capital for a receiver that is entering – his age 32 season, I believe. I believe he's going to be 32 in 2021. 
I, I don't see it. And he signed through age 34. And you also got to think about, he has a $23 million cap hit in 2021 and it's $19 million in 2022. That's just a lot of money. There's a lot of money tied up as there is. I know this whole offseason we've kind of been, you know, Chiefs have had cap space to work with. Well, that's not going to be the case every offseason. And they wouldn't have had cap space if they would have made some of the signings they were they could have, you know, made, uh, you know, Trent Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I don't think it's a smart idea. But, you know, hey, I, at the same time, Julio would be really fun in this offense. For sure. He'd be fun to watch. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think we can put this in that hell no category. Um, there's certainly other positions they need to invest in over the next few years. A lot of money to be paid out. And they've got some talented wide receiver. I'm curious to see how Cornell Powell fits into the mix. I think he's a guy that that could could see early time as the X receiver, could work his way up through special teams. You know, I think there's a, a lot of optimism on the current roster of wide receivers. And I'd be really curious to see if guys like Antonio Callaway uh, or Taji Sharp uh, may get a shot at making the final roster. I think they roll with pretty much the same group of receivers they have on the uh, on the roster right now and see how it shakes out. Sure, if Julio Jones hits the street and he's a free agent, you know, th- then we'll talk. But uh, speaking of trades, Nick wants to know, can we trade Frank Clark? Man, it's, he, he said can. He didn't say should. He said can. And so that's... I, I you can't really. I mean, who what team is going to take on a Frank Clark contract right now? He's getting paid as one of the best pass rushers. I think he's getting paid actually as the highest paid defensive end in the NFL in 2021, and he's definitely not producing like that. So I just don't see how why any team would want to give up any sort of compensation to take on that contract. It, it's working out for us because hey, we you know we've we've laid our bed or we've made our bed and we're laying in it you know it, it's happening uh we're, we're dealing with it now but no team with that hindsight of knowing you know that he's not putting up 10 plus sacks a year you know 15 sacks a year they're not going to take that on so i don't think we can trade trade frank clark but matt is there another way you want to go on that you know i i don't i would argue that they can't trade him because of his contract and they shouldn't trade him and they probably aren't even interested in doing so you know, I think yeah. fans are down on Clark. I'm not sure the team is as down on Clark as the rest of us might be at times. He's a very solid player. He's come up huge in the playoffs. He was the closer of so many games over the last couple of years. He's a tone setter. He's a perfect fit for what they want to do. Super stout against the run. Um, yeah, would we like to see more, you know, filling up the box score type production? Sure. But I still think he's more part of the solution than part of the problem on defense. So even if they got an offer on trade Clark, uh, on Frank Clark to to trade, I'm not sure that they take it. Yeah, I I, I agree because as I was kind of getting at earlier, we the Frank Clark's the only three down defensive end on the team. So if you trade him, you're just throwing out a bunch of situational pass rushers and early down run defenders that can't rush the pass. So I agree right, with, with that. The, but let's, with that, Ron, let's go ahead and take a break, uh, pay some bills, and we'll be right back with you on the Out of Structure podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning 
and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back with Ron Kopp Jr., Matt Stagner on the Out of Structure podcast at Arrowhead Pride. Thank you for staying with us so far. Had a lot of great questions from Twitter, and we might get to something, uh, something a little more fun, a little less Chiefs-related with our next question. Ron, go ahead. Yeah, I'll ask you because you are the, uh, you're the expert in this, in this area right here. So uh, shout-out Gregory McConnell. He's been fo- he just followed me recently. We've kind of been communicating on Twitter, so shout-out Greg. Uh, in honor of May the 4th, be with you, which was uh, May 4th. I know it probably won't be out on May 4th. Who on the Chiefs roster or staff are major characters from the Star Wars franchise? Stags, that is all you. Let's see it. <laughs> so I'm old enough to have seen uh, the original Star Wars uh, um, you know, early on in my life and grown up with them. And my, my two sons happen to be big fans of Star Wars. My daughter, not so much. So... Let's run down a few Chiefs who could line up as uh, characters from Star Wars. There's a couple that are pretty obvious. Patrick Mahomes is your Luke Skywalker. Uh, that's obvious. He's the hero of the story. Um, he's a good guy on the good guy's side for life. And he pulls out some tricks that nobody sees coming, uh, especially like in The Last Jedi. I don't want to be a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but there's this whole <laughs> uh, hologram sort of fight scene that, that comes out of nowhere. So Patrick Mahomes... Uh, as obviously your star in Luke Skywalker. I think another obvious one is Travis Kelsey is your Han Solo. He's cool, funny, sarcastic, but he's also a really reliable. Han Solo always shows up when you need him, even if you're not sure if he's going to or not. Uh, so Travis Kelsey is your Han Solo. You'll have to forgive me. I, I do very few actual impressions, but I'm going to maybe pull out some bad ones here, starting with Andy Reid. I could see Andy Reid being the Yoda. He's the old wise guy that that everybody... Uh, comes to for advice and learning. And can tell me you can't hear Andy Reid in the beginning of a press conference after his intro saying, hmm, yours the time is. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so that's my bad. Uh, that's my bad Yoda impression for Andy Reid. That was great. A plus. All right. A plus. I, <laughs> All right I got Tyreek Hill as Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett, if you remember, is a bounty hunter and he literally has a jet pack on his back, which is how Tyreek Hill plays the game of football. I'm going to give Clyde Edwards Hilaire, this is not a slight, again, a, a pun intended. I'm going to give Clyde Edwards Hilaire as uh, short and versatile. He's the R2-D2 of this crew. Uh, he's got some wheels. He's always part of the solution, but uh, uh, you know, he's a little guy uh, just kind of rolling around there, uh, sometimes overlooked. And then, again, with my slights, I'm going to say Dan Sorensen. Dan Sorensen is, is uh, the C-3PO of this group. He's a little stiff, a little robotic, but he knows the protocol. He's fluent in multiple forms of defensive communication, but also steps up in big situations. So that's a few. And then one final quick impression for you. I've got Orlando Brown as the Chewbacca. So Chewbacca, big, long guy, has all the strength and length in the world, comes in and saves the day when the, when the team's in a big need. And tell me you couldn't see Orlando Brown ripping someone's arms off if he had to, and which is, uh, which is what Chewbacca 
uh, was known to do from time to time. So, so we're going with Orlando Brown as the new Wookie at left tackle. Man, I was really hoping that impression was about to come out. I was really, I was really waiting for the, the Chewbacca impression. <laughs> All right, that's, there it is. <laughs> there's my, when, my other when, bad impression, when, and I, I promise that's the last one of the day. But that's uh, uh, that's the sorrow. That's a great question on May the fourth uh, as we're recording this thing. So uh, thanks for that question. Thanks for letting me embarrass myself on the first <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's good times. All right. How about from Elliot Farber? What are the expect expectations for R two D two? I mean, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, this year. Ron, what do you expect? Yeah, he asked for fair expectations, so I'll uh, I'll make sure they are fair. I, I think a thousand rushing yards is is very fair expectation. He got to eight hundred last year, and he he missed the final you know two three games of the season. So I think it's definitely fair to expect at least a thousand, if not more. And then he needs to have more touchdowns than he did his rookie year. He only had five scores last year. And I just, with the way they could use him more in the receiving game, that was one problem last year was their red zone offense running. They couldn't get a freaking, they couldn't get the ball into the end zone once they got inside the five-yard line running it. So if they improve on that, he should have more touchdowns this year. So yeah, I'd say fair expectations, thousand plus rushing yards and at least six touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to stick with fair. This may not be the right word for what I'm about to put onto this kid. But after re-watching him for the draft guide this last year, I was really impressed in his ability to churn out those 5 to 15-yard gains, his ability to make people miss. The more they get involved, the more he's going to produce. And they really went out of their way in this last offseason to bolster their blocking, really setting themselves up to be a better running team than they were last year. I think Edward Tillery could be a star this year, could be more of a focal point of the offense. He might be the third receiver this year in terms of targets and yards. I think he's in line for a 2,000-yard total season. So 2,000 total yards, 12 touchdowns. Now, we are cheating a little bit here. If you remember, the NFL added an extra game. So these stats, which may be eye-popping based on last year, may be a little bit uh, less so with the 17-game schedule, but uh, I'm putting big expectations on the kid. Dude, a little tangent. I just... I cannot get the 17 game thing down. I will not get used to it. I will be predicting 14 and two all off season. I'll be predicting all these stats based off 16 games. I just cannot get used to 17 games. So yeah. So my, my expectation is a little more fair now that we, we have factored that extra game in, but uh, yeah, I do think uh, Edward Teller should be a lot bigger role in the receiving game this year. I think it's just, if they're smart, that's what they do. Cause that's what he was excelling at at LSU. It seemed like, but I'll go ahead and move on to the next question from Nick Russell on Twitter. Where does Joshua Kando start the year on the edge depth chart? And where do you think he finishes the year? Matt? So let me first say that I don't dislike this draft pick. I think he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of talent. He physically fits the mold of what the Chiefs want to do at that position. I just don't see him being an early contributor. And when I say not an early contributor, I mean he might start and finish the year at the same spot at the near the bottom of the depth chart. This is a future pick. The scouts even said he's got some work to do. He needs to stay healthy. I could really see him in a situational pass rusher role at best this season and, and really with an eye on 2022 for his actual ability to break out. So, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he, he steps in earlier, but I, I just don't see it this year. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I think they know that they, when they made the pick, you know, they're not expecting a guy to come in and, and play a bunch of snaps. I think Kando will be a situational pass rusher at best. But that's the thing. When you're talking about Taco Charlton being in the mix now and, and the way they're kind of th- talking about having Chris Jones on the edge sometimes in si- certain situations, you know, there's a lot of defensive linemen on the, in this unit. And, and if Kando's not ready, he's just not going to play. I do think... He'll probably start off below Tim Ward on the depth chart, you know, like heading into training camp. I could see him unseating Ward, though. I know Ward made some plays in week 17, but, I mean, Kando's just – I mean, he was a, a former five-star number one overall recruit. You know, Tim Ward was never never had that, you know, ceiling as a talent. So, I could see Kando coming in maybe just being a little bit more impressive of a pass rusher than Ward and maybe earning some playing time over him or maybe, you know, uh, kicking Ward off the, the roster. We'll see, but – yeah, so let's move on to the next question, though, from Michael Arnett on Twitter. Uh, which draft pick has the best chance to be a star and which is most likely to be a bust? And then he also asked which undrafted free agent has the best chance to make the team. But we'll start with the uh, the first part of that question. Uh, best chance to be a star. I'll let you start. So best chance to be a star. In fact, I'm going to um, I'm going to take both sides of the fence in this question. Uh, I think uh, Joshua Kando, who we were just talking about, is probably the most likely guy out of this entire draft class to be a star and the most likely guy out of the entire draft class to be a bust. I think you're going to talk a, a little bit about this, I think, in a minute, but the the draft class is really filled with a lot of solid contributors. I don't know how many of them are actually going to be stars, but I think Kando has the opportunity. You know, he has, He's got the upside to be a star. He, he's got the low floor as well. So Kando is my answer for both halves of that question when it comes to uh, a star uh, and a bust. Yeah, I, I'm with you because I, I do. When you look over this draft class, there isn't really a guy that that stands out as as someone you could see becoming, you know, a, a, a superstar, a guy that's known across the league as one of the best at his position, and you know, uh, you know, gets the commercials and gets the publicity. Um, just doesn't seem like that. They're all really solid players, like a Creed Humphrey. If he becomes the center for the next decade you know, he's a center. He, he's going to, you know, it's a solid player, but you're not a superstar. Um, you know, I, I honestly, Trey Smith might have the best chance just because if he is this mauler dude kind of, you know, we've heard him compared to Kalesio Semele. If he's kind of like that, um, then he's, he's probably going to have some pancake highlights and maybe he has the best chance, but. Yeah. No, I, I don't I'm, think I'm, you'll see a lot of that from Humphrey. He's not a guy that yeah. necessarily is going to be a highlight real center, but he's going to be a good one. Uh, we could have really cheated and said Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be a star. Uh, from this draft <laughs> class, uh, because he's already on his way for, uh, in the left tackle position. But, uh, but yeah, of the actual draft picks, uh, I, I could see it on Trey Smith, maybe. Although, how many star guards are there in the NFL, exactly. really? Yeah, I, I think it's a long shot there. But the other half of uh, Michael's question was, what undrafted free agent has the best chance to make this team? Ron, have you had a chance to review the undrafted free agents yet? I know you're doing some write-ups for Arrowhead Pride. Yeah, and I am I am going through all the draft picks, and I will be hitting on the undrafted free agents as well. But I don't know uh, too much about them too far. All I know is we may have the next Daniel Sorensen on the team. Um, Zane Anderson, uh, he's a linebacker slash safety <laughs> kind of hybrid player from BYU. And when you kind of when you look at him, and then you look at Sorensen's picture when he was first coming out of BYU, it's like wow, they're very similar uh, style players uh, in terms of just like their physique, their body type. And they both play similar positions. So, um, hey, if, if, you know, Andy Reid with his BYU players, if Sorensen, you know, he, they had to re-sign him this year. If he's not back next year, 
And, you know, this guy, this Anderson guy somehow makes a team. Who knows? Maybe we have our next Daniel Sorensen on our hands. Uh, you know, a safety that can play kind of linebacker in the box that can hit pretty hard, but can also be athletic enough, you know, to cover the back end. So, yeah, who knows? I'm over here laughing because it's not that it's not a good comparison, but for better or for worse, having another Dan Sorensen on the roster. Uh, <laughs> we can continue that tradition. Um, I'm also thinking of that Spider-Man meme where there's two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And, and that's Sorensen and, and Anderson showing up at camp. Uh, and nobody knows which one's the real Dan Sorensen. All right. Who's, who's going to be the first one to tweet that? That's the real question. Cause I'm, you know, someone's tweeting that. So. It probably, it's probably already happened. Uh, all right. For, for right. undrafted free agent class. I only saw one guy so far that I think has a real potential, had a real shot at being drafted. I uh, really had a chance uh, to be an impact player, uh, but he's coming off of, uh, of a serious injury late in the, in the process. Malik Herring is a guy who could be a future pass rusher. Um, he's probably the most likely guy, I would say, to make this final roster this year because he's going to be on injured reserve, and therefore he won't be cut uh, or, or let go. Uh, again, maybe cheating a little bit on my answer there. I'm not sure that there's room for a lot of undrafted free agents in this stacked Chiefs roster that they have right now. Uh, but Herring may be a guy that they want to stash for the future. Yeah, no, that's a good call because I think you saw that with Tim Ward. They use that exact same way with Tim Ward. He was an undrafted free agent. They brought him in even though he was hurt. I believe he was recovering from a torn ACL. And and now you're seeing he's playing. So it, it's a long-term thing. I will just say real quick, Malik Herring was a four-star prospect in high school. So, all right, well, next one, Patrick Pahomes. He asks us, do you think Anthony Hitchens will be traded next year and Nick Bolton be the starting Mike in 2022. What do you think? First of all, love the Twitter name, Patrick Pahomes. That's that's <laughs> clever. Do I think Nick Bolton will take over from Mike and Anthony Hitchens be traded? I think those are two separate questions. I could see Nick Bolton being in the future at that position. I think he's got a lot of Anthony Hitchens to his game. We'll see where he starts off this season. I've heard some reports that uh, maybe Nick Bolton has a shot to get on the field as a situational pass rusher, maybe from the Sam position, for example. Uh, he might be a will at times. Who knows where they're going to line him up? Uh, we thought we knew exactly what we had in Willie Gay Jr. last year, and he certainly didn't see the field in the capacity that we hoped. So it's hard to tell what the plan is for Bolton, but I could easily see him being that future at the Mike position. For Anthony Hitchens, though, can you trade him? I, I'm not sure. Given his contract, it'll be the last year of his contract next year. They could save $8 million plus by cutting him next year. That that could be part of the plan. That does happen a lot of times in the last year of those big contracts. Rarely do you see a guy finish out his full deal. So I could see Hitchens being cut, but I'm not sure about traded. And again, maybe Bolton is part of that future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the thing with Bolton is when you take two linebackers, top 60 back-to-back years in the draft, and you're also paying Hitchens the, the money you're paying – it just doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't really make sense to have all three of those guys uh, continue to be on the roster. So I do think it spells the end for Hitchens in Kansas City. Uh, you just you just said it. You know, eight million you could save next year by cutting him. So I, I could definitely see that being the case and Bolton being a starting Mike in 2022. So, but last one, last question of the day, we have Wes from Twitter asking us, you know, an early look at the 2022 needs, whether it be free agency or draft. Just what positions maybe in 2022 you think we need to address stags you got one on that so taking a quick look at the roster there's going to be a lot of potential needs or a lot of changes between now and the 2022 offseason 
As of today, they've got 35 players under contract for 2022. So obviously a lot of work to be done in the long term. Some contracts like Tyron Matthew, who, who could change that, of course. So safety could be a need. I'm going to assume that Matthew gets extended and, and probably uh, in the very near term, maybe even by the time this thing airs, Matthew could be, should, should be extended. Uh, but Sorensen will be a free agent next year. And unless Anderson is the new Sorensen, they might be looking for somebody to fill that role, whatever that role is. I also think um, de- uh, the defensive line all the way across, Nadi and Reed, both in the last year of their deals, you can see defensive tackle being an issue. Uh, edge will probably continue to be a need. It's generally always a need with the, with the value of, of a good pass rush, especially on a roster like this one. And Taco Charlton's on a one-year deal as well. So, you know, that certainly could see Edge being on that list. And I could imagine wide receiver is probably still on that list too as well. What do you think, Ron? Yeah, I'd, I'd say wide receiver is where I was going to go. Because when you talk about D-Rob, he's on a one-year contract. Byron Pringle's on a one-year contract. McColl, I mean, we got to figure out something about him. And if we don't figure it out this year, then he's going to be on the last year of his contract in 2022. Um, and then you have all these, you know, a Powell, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's signed long-term obviously because he just got drafted, but they still need another top, top talent in my opinion. The other position that I wanted to mention was cornerback because when you talk about Charvarius Ward, he, he got his tendered this year. So we gave him that one year, uh, you know, off a restricted free agency, but are we sure that they're going to re-sign him to a big deal after this year? Cause we're, you're, you can't tender him anymore. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season. And if he performs it well at all, he's that long cornerback that maybe, you know, a team is going to want to throw the bag at. So, but if he doesn't perform well, then do you even want to resign him? So that's, that's Charverius Ward is in a contract year and a very important year for him. And if he can't, if he doesn't take another step, then it's really just Sneed and a bunch of guys. And so mm-hmm. cornerback really does need to be addressed. We know Breland might come in this year, but that's still just a one-year deal. So I think cornerback might be one of the biggest things we see next offseason as well. It might be every single year that we're looking for a cornerback and a pass rusher in the Chiefs draft. I can't right. remember the last time I felt like we were set at those positions. The one thing we can all agree on, though, and that is the, one of the greatest feelings uh, in being a Chiefs fan at this time, they're not going to need a quarterback, and they're not going to need <laughs> offensive line anytime soon. With those guys matched up for the next four to five years, You've got the, the, the great wall of Mahomes uh, and Patrick Mahomes, the greatest player on the planet, behind him. Uh, your franchise is going to be in good shape, and it's really nice to at least have two positions completely crossed off the list for 2022 already before this season even starts. Yeah, it is. It really is. The offensive line is going to be a lot of fun to follow this offseason, the training camp. Uh, hopefully fans are able to be at training camp this year. I'm going to be there if that's possible. and. I'm going to be watching this offensive line and the, the OL versus DL. Those one-on-ones are going to be fun stuff when you're talking about Jones versus an Orlando Brown or, you know, a Kyle Long versus a Frank Clark. I mean, just some of the maulers we have on each side of this this uh, line. It's going to be a really fun training camp. So hopefully well, we're all able to be there. Yeah, I hope to see you all in St. Joseph, Missouri this summer. Um, if not, uh, at least we hope to see you the next time. On the Out of Structure podcast, thank you so much for joining in and for submitting your questions. Please keep in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at SAGDSP. Ron is at Ron underscore cop. Again, thank you for tuning in to the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Network. Thanks, Ron. Talk to you soon.